goes on and on it goes. So what part of the war, Lord Jesus, do you want us to focus on? We thank you that you are faithful, that you still are seated at the right hand of the Father, that all things are going according to what you actually knew everything would be. And so we give you praise, we give you glory that our focus, our faith, our hope, our our steadfast gaze is upon you. And we thank you, Lord God, for bringing us to this place that you knew we would be, even now in your promises to protect and and keep us You are faithful to complete the work you've begun in us. So thank you, Jesus, Son of God, for taking on the challenge, the need to come down here to take on the form of a human being, incarnate, to rescue us, to be part of the human race, to die in our place for our sins as a sinless, the only sinless human being. I thank you for giving us, even as you did that, um, a great promise, great gifts to Uh, establish your power on the earth through giving us back the power and authority to bind and to loose, to pray, to heal, to preach, to declare the goodness of the kingdom of God and your true victory in spite of all of the devil's narratives, Father. So we thank you for this great privilege and opportunity that you'd rouse and awake us to the opportunities that lie before us, beside us, inside of us, that we will not be lazy, we won't get discouraged, we won't waste our opportunities here as the day of your return is fast approaching. I thank you, Lord, for the divine promises also that no weapon formed against us will prosper, and there's many weapons that have been lifted up against your people, all toted by the spirits of fear and oh no and anxiety and worry and what if. But Father God, all of that's already been settled in and through your word. So we thank you today for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the things that you have for us. Give us your wisdom. May I speak as the oracles of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, subjects, genealogies. I just really love genealogies because they carry so much hidden information if you're willing to look and investigate them, dig in, ask questions, draw the lines, um, and, and just investigate uh, so all the stories, many of the stories, the story of your life is told through the bloodline, through your genealogy. And Jesus had a bloodline and he had a story that had to be told and it had to be established as authentic. And so, um, you know, a lot of times you read through the genealogies, there's there's two of them on Jesus. One is in Matthew, he starts right out, the first, you know, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, uh, the son of Abraham. So in, in Matthew, his two goals are to establish Jesus Christ, his authentic um, genealogy as the son of David, coming down through the bloodline of David, coming down through, and David who came through Abraham. So in this genealogy, we have actually a list of names that carry a start. They, they start in the past um, with Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob. And then they go forward to the present moment where we end up with the last of that genealogy. And Jacob, verse 16, begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, 
of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to uh, the captivity into Babylon were 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations, which is kind of an interesting thing. Someone did the math on that. Must have been Matthew. So then we go to Luke, and we have to dig in a few chapters. We get to the, the birth of Jesus before we actually start with going back to the genealogy. And it's in chapter um, 3, as Jesus was baptized, and we see that um, uh, he, they prayed, the heavens were opened, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, the dove. Uh, and this was a voice came from heaven saying, um, this is my beloved son, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here the, the father is authorizing or authenticating the true identity of Jesus Christ at the onset of his ministry. This is where Jesus began his ministry. And the first, 20, verse 23, Luke slips into, and Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of, and then he goes on and on and on. But if you notice a kind of a discrepancy here that makes me ask the first question, okay, if Joseph in this genealogy was the son of Heli, the son of Heli, and Heli is not the same name as Jacob, who begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, in Matthew's version. So either the guys are getting their, their lists wrong, or they're saying something about two different people. And according to what I understand in Luke, it says the heading over uh, Luke 23, 3.23 is the genealogy of Christ through Mary. So it's interesting that, you know, you have a bloodline. You have two, actually two bloodlines that combine to form you. One is from your mother, one is from your father. So this makes sense that you're going to have two different stories, two different experiences, two different sets of people, two different combinations of DNA that come together. However, in Jesus's story, there's only one set of chromosomes. So we're actually getting the information about Joseph in more of a, a uh, authority. Uh, J- Joseph is being established as coming from the line of the kings, um, and, and Mary is not. And we'll see how that goes. But they're both coming from David, the king, of course. But after David, David, if we see the, the genealogy switch a little bit. And so we'll go back to that in a second. So, um, so in, in, we have to also make note that why, 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 why is God so into genealogies? I mean, there are many of them in the Bible. If you go back, God is always keeping the records, always adding to the list, always making sure everybody knows where everybody comes from because he's really all about establishing our origin. He's really all about establishing our identity. And so those, and, and pedigrees, and you know, the priests had to come from the priestly bloodlines. They couldn't be um, grafted in somehow. They had to be of that bloodline. So the priestly bloodlines were very important. All of these records were kept in the temple. Now we know uh, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, which is interesting too, because at that point, Jesus had already died on the cross. There was no one who was going to follow him. He was the culmination of God's um, promise. And so there was no more need for genealogies. So after that, you don't really see any genealogies. Um, and, and because they had already established Jesus Christ, he's the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, there was no more need for another genealogy. So God permitted them, actually, through the burning of the temple, to be destroyed, which was probably a good thing, because sometime, otherwise someone would have come and, and created a counterfeit genealogy and created a whole other story narrative. So God just took that opportunity away from Satan so he couldn't get to that. 
Um, so we have to establish Mary as going all the way back to Adam. And that's exactly what Luke does. Why? Because she had to be of the seed of the woman. She, and so we see that the Matthew's gene, genealogy starts from the past, Abraham, going up to the present, to Joseph. Luke's starts from the present and goes all the way past Abraham, all the way back to Adam. So we are establishing Mary as the, the true carrier of the seed of the woman that God had declared when he put the curse on the serpent that the enmity he put between them would bring forth the head crusher. So this is how God is authenticating after, after how many, 14, 14, 14 generations, um, even before that, previous to that, there were generations because these are the last 14, three 14s that come after David. But um, there was, there was a, a thread of the promise, the bloodline. And so we see that all that went in, in Mary's bloodline written in the book of Luke. Now, we also want to make one more quick note, and then I'm going to go to some specifics. In Matthew, he says, um, all of them are connected, all the names of the people. Uh, a Judah, uh, let's see, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Now, at this point, we all kind of know the story, but then we kind of lose the story because Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab, but Abinadab begot. So he's using the word begot in there. Now it's interesting in Mary's genealogy in Luke, um, we don't hear that. We don't see that begot word. Um, we start out, and Jesus Himself being began His ministry about thirty years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mattath, the son of Levi, the son of 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 the son of. Now they're di- begot is different than son of. And if I remember correctly, and if I'm, uh, this is how I understood it, that the son of, for example, um, Joseph was considered the son of Heli because he was uh, married to Mary. So in those days, you know, as you married into a family, you'd be also considered the son of the, your father-in-law. And so the son of is appropriate for here, but in, in, in uh, Matthew's genealogy, it's begot. That means you're actually of the DNA of, you know, you're the actual bloodline, um, biological son of. Whereas in the other one, it's it's a more of a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a relational connection. Okay, so now let's um, consider all of these things. You know, you don't think, again, that these genealogies are important, but I see in them so many stories. Let's go back and, you know, and I do genealogies for people all the time. That's why I just love it because you find so many patterns. You find so many things you didn't see until you start, start to look at the patterns. And for example, let's just look for a pattern in, uh, in uh, the bloodline that, Matt, that Matthew sets up. Okay, so here we go. We're um, uh, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and Abraham begot Isaac. We're going down the bloodline. And now we're going to run into Judah. Judah begot Perez and Hezron uh, by Tamar. Now there's a little, okay, we're, we're giving the woman here, the identifying the wife or the, or the woman. Now Tamar, interesting enough, was actually Judah's daughter-in-law. Oh, this sounds very incestuous. Well, what happened? And it's the story, the Bible is full of stuff like this. I'm not going to give you the references right now. You go look them up yourself because 
I didn't even have time to look them all. I'm just doing this mostly from memory. But Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah. Judah had his own wife, and he begot uh, um, sons, I think three sons, actually. And Tamar was betrothed to one of them, and uh, he died. The second one died. He was then Judah promised Tamar to the third one, which was kind of a traditional thing, the third the third son, which was a little bit younger. So she had to wait for him to grow up. And I think he died also. So Tamar is left without children and all of her husbands died. And so she said, I am not going to be left out of the family. So she actually took on the garb of a harlot, playing the harlot, went and sat out, you know, where they sit in the in the road, whatever. And Judah was coming by. He was an older man by that time, I would imagine. And um, he, she came, he came into her and used her services. And she was smart enough to say, okay, I want some guarantees here. Give me your, your ring, your staff, or, and, and send me, a, for my services, send me a goat or a, a payment, a, a sheep or whatever. And so when the, the guy came, the servant came back to give her her payment, she was gone. But she had gotten the surety of the ring or the staff or whatever. So later on, when she was found to be pregnant and Judah was about to put her away because he had the right to do that because she had, you know, slept with somebody that was not authorized to sleep with. Well, it turns out it was him. And she shows, whose ring does this belong to? And it was a kind of a tricky little deal. But out of, the, out of that came twins. Oh, yay. There's a lot of twins in these bloodlines. And their names were Perez and Zerah. And then we see that um, Perez picked up the bloodline and he begot Ram, and Ram begot Abinadab, and, uh, and et cetera. And then we go down a couple more lines, and we come to um, Nash, Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz. Now, okay, now these names are getting a little familiar again. Boaz by Rahab. Okay, so Boaz had to be alive during the time of the fall of Jericho, because Rahab was there. She's the gal with the red cord, put it over the wall. She was the harlot, again, another harlot in the, in the bloodline here. And uh, so she was married. Boaz fell in love with her. I mean, I'm Salmon, I'm sorry. Salmon fell in love with her, and they produced Boaz. Boaz was their biological son. Okay, so Salmon was the one in, involved in the, in the fall of Jericho. And Rahab was right there, so he saved her. They got married, and they had Boaz. And Boaz grew up and begot Obed by Ruth. Now, who's Ruth? Well, Ruth is another alien. She's a Moabitess. She's a foreigner. She's, a, she's not of the pure, 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 pure uh, bloodline because she's a Moabite. And so, but nonetheless, Boaz, and that's why I think, um, I think that's why by Boaz had a little bit of trouble. She was his kinsman and he was her kinsman redeemer. But I think that's, otherwise she would have never got brought into the family. But Ruth brought was brought in and they had Obed and then Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot David so David's dad was Jesse and Jesse's dad was Obed and Obed's dad was Boaz so Boaz would be the what grand great grandfather we've got a father grandfather great grandfather of uh, uh was Boaz the great great grandfather was a great, 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 great grandmother was a harlot or a prostitute. And so was Tamar. So we've got two prostitutes coming on here, or they've actually, they weren't, but they played the role of that. That was their occupation. Actually, in that day, it was more of an occupation than it was 
as, as sexual deviant behavior. Um, unfortunately, um, it brings about the same fruit. But so then Jesse begot David the king. Now you notice David the king, the king begot Solomon, Solomon by her who had been the wife of Bathsheba. So here we have another, uh, we have adultery. Um, Solomon is not their first union. That first child died, but he married, legally married Bathsheba. They don't even put her name in here. We all know it's Bathsheba. So we've got in this, you know, just in a couple of generations, we've got three women, Tamar, uh, oh, let's see, four, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. And all these women had issues with, um, you know, being either sexually used, abused, uh, operated as their, as their, um, upper, as their occupation. Um, and so David and his children, now we see David's story, and you have that one in the Bible, where some of his sons were wanting to sleep with the sisters, and, you know, one was being killed because he wanted to sleep with the sister, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of all of a mess of, you know, stuff like that. And so that's because there's a generational open door for all that, and they didn't realize I would suppose that that was something they needed to deal with at the time. So then Solomon begot, now we're in, we're in the bloodline where Joseph is, this is Joseph's biological bloodline. So, um, so Solomon, Joseph is a direct, long, long, long away, moved, removed, but a descendant of Solomon. So he is of the kingly bloodline. Now in Mary's bloodline, we don't have any of those names, although she would have them in her bloodline as well. Because if you go to verse 31, um, you have, um, oh, let's see, Simeon, Judah. Um, you have Nathan, the son of David. So David had a son named Solomon. He had many sons. And then he had a son named Nathan. So Mary and Joseph both have the same relationship to David, who is the king. So on Mary's blood bloodline, she is also of a kingly bloodline and also priestly because her uh, Elizabeth, her cousin, was of the, Le- the, the priestly tribe of Levi and so was Zachariah. So Mary's related to this woman who's of the tribe of Levi. So Jesus has an authority to be a king and a priest here um, uh, from her bloodline. So he's got two different uh, authorities coming through um, and so Nathan was a less known son of David, but he's there and is we have we see the references in um, uh, Zechariah and, and well actually if you just look at the bloodline. So Nathan, son of David, the son of Jesse. Now they're all the same. Now now Mary and Joseph are the same, son of Jesse, son of son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Solomon, the son of Nathan. So they all have these same uh, har- harlot mothers, we'll call them. They're not really, but um, tainted past, although Mary doesn't come from Bathsheba or, or, or Solomon's bloodline, she comes from Nathan. So she has in her blood, and Jesus has in his bloodline, he has adopted into his bloodline, permitted these women. I mean, he could have picked any woman in the world to be the mothers of the mothers of, you know, very of his ancestors. But he picked Tamar. He let um, uh, Rahab be in there. He let Ruth be in there. Um, and so he's saying something here. He's saying, I've woven in, knit in these these women, because they're in Mary's bloodline too, these women who were rejected, these women who were, you know, um, Gentiles sort of, or Moabites or whatever, or who were, who were prostitutes. I've, I've allowed these, 
I've incorporated, I've saved them. I brought them. I redeemed them by bringing them, by allowing these women who had tainted pasts to be part of his, the royal bloodline, which is very cool because Jesus is so, um, you know, he was, a, he was not just to come to save the, the Jews, but the Gentiles. And so then we keep going. So we see Mary and, 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 and Joseph both have uh, David, and then they split off. Uh, Mary goes on to be the part of the bloodline of, of um, Nathan, and Solomon, uh, Joseph comes from Solomon. But now we're going to go back up. So we have, we're not done with Mary yet. She's going to go all the way back to Adam. So we see that the son of a nation, the son of Abinadab, the son of Ram, Ram the son of Hezron, the son of Perez. Okay, so now we're seeing the son of Judah. So she's, already, she's related to obviously Judah, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. We see all of them. And then we see that Abraham, he was called out from, you know, God called him from out of um, Ur of the Chaldees to become the nation that he was going to use his, his, uh, his DNA, his bloodline to produce and bring forth the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, making with them a special covenant that, of course, he identified through circumcision. Um, that's how they were set apart to be identified from the other uh, nationalities and, and peoples of the world after the Tower of Babel. So then we see, we go, we go to the son of Ser, Sergi, Serug, Ru, Ru uh, Peleg, Peleg, and uh, the son of Peleg, Pedleg, Pedleg, however you say it. They say that's when the earth divided. I don't know what that means, if the continents broke apart or what they did. But anyway, um, and then we have Eber, the son of Shelah, and Shem, the son of Noah. Okay, so we got, we, oh, we see, whoa, I remember Shem. Oh, yeah, Noah. Oh, the son of Lamech. Okay, son of Methuselah. Oh, yeah, here, now we're getting to some names we know again. Enoch, as famous for the book of Enoch. The son of Jared, who was living in the days of the giants, Genesis chapter 6. The son of Malaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth. You know, there was Cain and Abel, and Abel died, and Seth, and, and Cain took off. And so God gave um, another son to Adam and Eve, and his name is Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So we see that technically Mary goes all the way back to, um, because we're actually following her bloodline, but but starting with um, Joseph, but we're actually following, because we're following Heli's bloodline, and Heli is Mary's biological dad. So we're going all the way back to Adam, the son of God. Well, of course, with Adam is Eve, and Eve is the gal who God says, I'm going to use this woman to destroy you and bring forth the head crusher. So we have an awesome um, uh, double confirmation, actually, of Mary's bloodline going all the way back to Adam and Eve, and Joseph um, going all the way back to um, the kings, uh, you know, back to Abraham. So we're talking about, you know, Abraham, God promised him, he said, your seed, in your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. I will bring forth, you know, out of your seed, the king, the redeemer, the, the you know, the one who is going to restore. Uh, and so God here in his first chapter of Matthew and the third chapter of Luke, he's actually validated the, his keeping his promise that the bloodline, those thin in places, though assaulted in places, they were all drug off into captivity in places in Babylon, that of the people who were all, many, many families were drug off into Babylon and also into um, Assyria. 
And only those from the captivity of Babylon came back, but only a part of them came back. And so we see what those who came back, of those who came back, we see Mary and Joseph because now they're, they're brought back into the land of Israel. And so that's how we, um, we see the, uh, the progression. It's very cool. Now, I'm sure you know all this stuff and knew all this stuff already, but I thought I would just remind you. And now we're going to do a quick little look at, and we talked about this a little bit last night, or last time I should say, the Annunciation to Joseph, the announcement to Joseph that Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a pretty heavy-duty, uh, what would you call it, revelation that you would have to be willing to buy into or believe. Um, and so it's in, in uh, let's see, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, we talked last time about the betrothal as being as serious as a marriage, had to be dissolved by a divorce. Before they came together, before they came together, very important, because why? She is to be established as a virgin, as the virgin who brought forth the, the son. Before she was, they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So they're making a pretty big point of that. I think, um, let me see if Luke does the same thing. Um, you know, because they had to establish also a couple of more things that God had said that she would be, um, the, the, a virgin would conceive. So let's see here. Um, let's look in this up real quick. Um, yeah, so we have the angel, the Holy Spirit coming upon her and saying the power of the Holy Spirit to highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So she is um, being, uh, the Holy Spirit is bringing forth this concept, uh, this uh, conception. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, so we know he's a just man, a fair man, a righteous man, a good man. Of course he's going to have to be that if God picked him to be Joseph. And unwilling to put her to shame. Resolved to divorce her quietly, so he he knew his he had a couple of options here. He could um, embarrass her publicly, publicly, and accuse her of adultery, um, and or he could just put her away quietly um, and and not make a big deal of it. And then she would, you know, obviously the, the town would talk, and there'd be lots of shame, and he'd go away, and maybe that'd be the end of it for everybody. But he, as he considered this, he fell asleep. Behold. He fell asleep. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, um, dreams are one of God's favorite ways to give people direction. It's also one of the devil's favorite ways to reactivate re, uh, systems that have been uh, dissolved through faith and trust in God. You know, people are trying to get rid of, stop using, stop drinking, stop, you know, whatever, thinking horrible things. Satan will oftentimes come to them and terrify them in their sleep or re, relive or a scene in a dream and that will try to make them think, oh, I'm, it's still there. I'm still this. I'm still that. It didn't get, it didn't go away. But anyway, Joseph was um, this dream and, and, the, the, and the dream said, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream saying, Joseph, son of David. So he's being established here, his generational bloodline, son of David. Okay. Which is very important because David uh, those who are of the lineage of David, the household of David, had to go back to David's place of origin, which was Bethlehem, in the registration that the, the Caesar had called for. And that's why that's why eight and a half months pregnant, or eight and three quarters months pregnant, Mary and Joseph both had to go on a donkey ride to 
actually Mary rode the donkey, Jesus, I, and, uh, and Jesus, but Joseph led, all the way back to Bethlehem, which was 90 miles away, because they were in Nazareth. They were in the city of Nazareth in the in this province or state or county of Galilee, and they had to go all the way back to, to Bethlehem, which was only about uh, maybe 10 miles from um, Jerusalem. So they had to go all the way back to the, the county of Judea. That's how you see that. Jerusalem, Bethlehem are cities in Judea. Um, and he says, and do not fear to take Mary, your wife. Don't, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or Yeshua, or Joshua, which also means Savior. Um, I think Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua or Yeshua. And for he will save his people from their sins. So the, that name Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, all means Savior. He will save his people. So, so the angel was telling Joseph not only his name, what had happened, but what this, this child would do. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the pride of the prophets. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. So he didn't, I mean, I'm sure before that, he says when he went to bed, he was considering all these things. What should I do? But when he woke up, uh, he, he, had, he did what the angel, what the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. But he did not know her or have sex with her until she had born a son. We talked about that last time and called his name Jesus. So this is also very important because people can say, well, you know, uh, Jesus was just, was just born a preemie and, you know, um, you know, they, they had already had conceived uh, before they were married. But the thing is, he married her immediately. I don't think they had a big wedding at all. I, I don't know what the marriage was, but there was an announcement made. The marriage, the, the, the betrothal was turned into a, uh, a marriage. Um, he took his wife and he, and then they went. Then shortly thereafter, um, they had to go to uh, make that big long trip all the way to, um, to Bethlehem. So as we can see with all of these details and all of this that's, that's come through the, the story of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, um, and the, the many things that weren't said, and the many things that are, can be learned from what was said, it's important for us to realize that you're important, your identity, your origin, the place where you came from, the place where Jesus came from, the place where he returned to. The reason he knew who he was was because that gave him the authority to do what he did. And when they would say to him, well, who do you think you are and why are you doing these things? He would say, well, I know where I'm from. So he knew who he was. So your generational bloodline, you know, though it may be filled with lots of trouble and troubled people, the Rahabs and the Ruths and the Tamars and all the other things in your bloodline, that doesn't mean it's not redeemable. That means that God is able to bring forth, even out of our twisted and sordid pasts, righteousness, truth, victory. That is the whole point. Can, that he can redeem us from the snares of the snake pit and from the accusations of the devil. So, Father God, we just give you praise that Joseph had the courage to believe you, that Mary and Joseph had the courage to let you figure out how to solve the problem, how they didn't try to defend themselves. They didn't try to explain things. Um, I don't think they ever tried to publicly explain anything because who would have believed them anyway? And it was finally confirmed, as we will see next week, by the shepherds who 
We're also told by the angels that this son of God had been born in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. So it was actually the shepherds, the the host of witnesses that came as the angels, testified to these several shepherds or a group of shepherds keeping their flocks by night that um, the that this peace on earth, goodwill towards men, Savior gift had finally come after everyone had given up on this promise, forgot about the promise, tried to live without the promise, um, and just tried to make the best out of their lives, wondering, giving up. Isn't that where we go sometimes? We just try to live without the, the promise. God makes a promise, and it goes it goes so long, it's in such a delay, um, and a pattern of waiting that we just try to live without the promise. We lose hope, and we try to just make it as best we can, when indeed God is a man, God is not a man that he should lie, but God keeps his promises, even though the devil would try to get us to believe it's too late. It's not too late. The king, the second return, the return of Jesus, second coming, is on the horizon. And he will come and he will do exactly what he said. Have you, have you noticed how accurate the books are? The book of Revelation, even how accurate that is as we're beginning to slip our way into that book. You can read it in the newspaper. You can watch it. You can read it in the Bible. They're all pretty much, you know, confirming what the Lord God has said. And so um, God is not forgetting his promise to come back. The promise of salvation, the promise of redemption, the promise of restoration, the promise of, you know, taking back the rulership of earth. It's like I was thinking the other day, forgive me for thinking this, it's kind of a political thought, but I was seeing how that in the garden, Satan lied to Eve and tricked her and got her agreement and and snatched the garden, the whole thing, their power, their uh, their lives, everything that pertained to Adam and Eve be, uh, became his. He snatched, it was an illegal, totally illegal move, totally illegal, totally so similar to the total illegal moves that we have seen made in um, our politics in the last year and year and a half or so. I mean, many illegal moves before that as well. But And how those people who cheated, lied, and made illegal moves and false accusations seem to keep getting to do what they're doing and to go on and on and on. Satan is still going on and on and on in his abuse of the earth, in his traumatizing, terrifying, harassing the, the, the children of God, the people of God. He seems to be just getting by with it, getting by with it, getting by with it. And this has been... 6,000 years he's been getting by with cheating. And so we have a little microcosm of that even now in the last, um, you know, several years of they're just getting by with it, getting by with it. But it's not going to be that way forever as we know the promises of God will take um, over, over um, I would like to use the word Trump, but that's using the word as an adjective the plans of Satan. And so, Father, we thank you that you keep your promises, you keep your word, you use sordid bloodlines to bring forth our redemption. We thank you for your faithfulness to redeem us and to use these people, to use even us, that there's hope for us in our life. So let us not grow weary in well-doing as we anticipate your coming and we remember um, the things, the true people, the real people that had to go through very difficult things to bring you um, to this earth. 
to submit to God, to agree with your plan. And let us agree with your plan, no matter how crazy it may seem, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and by the way, um, check out liferecovery.com for your last-minute Christmas gifts or gift-giving or or just for yourself. Especially, I would recommend the audio series, God on Trial. It, you can do a download, very reasonable, like two or three bucks, something like that. Or you can purchase the actual hard copy set. Um, but I would really encourage you to and or pick out a book or two to give to someone you love. There are just many, many, there's books on healing, books on justice, there's books on on understanding our righteousness, there's books on understanding the war, setting captives free, there's books on addictions, there's all kinds of things that might be helpful. So that's uh, liferecovery.com. Check it out. God bless. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.